live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so why don't we start first with the NFL? Why don't we start first with a good rule of thumb, a general tip for success? Make your boss look good. Now, if you really want to get paid, make your boss look smart. And if you're looking to rake in a cool 100 mil, potentially, allegedly, then make your boss look like a damn genius. Geno Smith did all the above. Everybody wrote Geno Smith off, but as we know, Geno did not write back. They wrote me off. I ain't write back, though. No, he did not. He did not write back. However, the Seahawks just stroked him a gigantic check. Seattle wrote up a new 100 mil contract for Geno Smith. Excuse me. My bad. My bad, Geno. I didn't mean to shortchange you. Potentially a $105 million contract. Now, we know how these deals are, right? They are never what they actually appear. Here's what we do know. 105 mil for three years. According to NFL Network, 40 million guaranteed, $25 million base salary per, and up to 30 mil in incentives. Who knows exactly how much of that money Gino is going to end up seeing, but no matter how you slice it, that is a hell of a lot of paper. An enormous stack of paper. In fact, he's going to earn more next season than he has in his entire career. And let's not get this twisted. He's earned every last penny. Just ask the gum-murdering speed talker Peter Carroll. Because 12 months ago, Peter Carroll was dealing with a corny, cheesy, cringy sack of potatoes with a gigantic ego and a sense of entitlement, but no longer the game to back any of that up. And then even worse, that same sack of potatoes with that giant sense of entitlement, actually tried to get both the coach and the GM fired in a failed coup. Imagine that. So, you've got Schneider, you've got the Motormouth, they flip the script on Russett. They send Russett Wilson off to Denver in what now looks like the greatest trade ever. Unless, of course, you're the Broncos, and then it looks like the worst trade of all time. Then Seattle rides with Geno as Russett's replacement, even though Geno had not made more than three starts in a single season in six years. Essentially, Geno went from the quintessential journeyman backup to a $100 million quarterback in about a year's time. He won the comeback player of the year. He went to the Pro Bowl. He finished ninth in the MVP voting. I mean, this guy is straight up a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, period, by any metric. A top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He's got the numbers to back it up now. In short, the guy pulled off one of the single greatest resurrections I have ever seen from an NFLer, period. In the process, he made the Gumslayer and John Schneider look like the smartest dudes in the entire world. So yes, Geno earned every single penny of that contract. Yes, the Seahawks are doing right by him. They're doing the right thing in giving that deal to him. Yes, it is a good deal for both sides. The proverbial win-win. I mean, yeah, again, we're not sure exactly how much of the money he gets. But if it's anywhere near 105 mil, 
I mean, yes, that sounds like a hell of a lot of money for Geno Smith. But even if it is near or at 105 mil, it's still looking a hell of a lot better than the 242 mil that Russick could get. In fact, it looks like an unbelievable value compared to what Denver has to shell out for Russett. Think of the utter absurdity of that statement. Could you imagine uttering that statement even 12 months ago? Is there anybody anywhere not named Geno Smith that a year ago today thought that we would be talking about him as a 25 to $30 million per year dude or a better investment than Russett or a better quarterback than Russell Wilson? Because right now, Geno's all those things. Essentially, Geno gave them twice the productivity at half the price without demanding his own office on the second floor, away from his teammates, and not one single rookie said that Geno looked like a sack of potatoes. And that he's short. You see him in person, it's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. And short. I mean, his words, not mine. It really is one of the greatest, most astonishing stories I've ever seen in the NFL. A story of absolute grit and persistence and a refusal to give in or give up. A dude with an incredible belief in himself when almost nobody else did. How the hell does this dude have the season he just had in year 10 and earn that contract? It's mind-blowing. And if anybody anywhere has the right to go climb to the highest rooftop in the whole world and scream, tell me how my ass tastes, it's Geno Bleeping Smith. And then the gum assassin and John Schneider, the two dudes that Russett tried to run off, can do the same because not only does Seattle have a better quarterback, than the Broncos. They have the better team. And they've got the fifth pick overall in the draft after they completely worked Denver in that trade. Listen, I'm all about reinvention. I'm all about transformation. I'm all about figuring out how to be the best version of yourself later in life. And Gino, you check every damn box in that regard. In fact, you might even be in the GOAT conversation When it comes to reinvention. Am I right? John Jones. (laughs) I'm not saying that Jones reinvented himself. Although he had himself a night. I'm just saying I love that new goat drop. (laughs) Gino might be the goat of reinvention. (laughs) Hey listen. Everybody is so quick. Everybody is so quick to crack on somebody. Because... It generally is because they're so miserable and then it's actually so much easier than doing the work and it makes them feel better about themselves without having to do a damn thing. Except Gino just did the damn thing and he should be celebrated for it. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. How you feeling this morning? Hey, Seattle. How you feeling about your $100 million quarterback? Go home. Hey, Seattle, how happy are you that it's not Russet? Hey, Seattle, we got a deal. 
The standard Gino still has some skeptics. I know it was only one year. I'm not saying that it's not without some risk, although he earned it. He did. He had a great year. Good fit for them. Good fit for the system. I'm not saying it's without risk, and you know there are skeptics, people who can't get their head wrapped around the fact that Geno Smith is now a 25 to $30 million a year guy when that's more than he made his entire career combined. And they might even look at the NFL leading completion percentage. And by the way, he did lead the league in completion percentage, one of the reasons why he just got paid. Still, if you're here to hate and you don't like it, you might say, well, hello, of course the guy led the league in completion percentage. Look at who the hell he's throwing to. That's Cyborg, DK. Normally I would say stop hating, but, well, I got to admit, I did see that viral video of DK, and this dude has got some crazy, serious, unnatural hops. Have you seen it? Can I show it to you? Perhaps not. Go find it. It's not hard to find. Anyway, you want to talk catch radius? Catch radius. You want to talk getting vertical? I mean, essentially, it's impossible to have an incomplete pass to this guy. You can't overthrow him. The only way to overthrow this guy is if you throw the ball out of the stadium. And if you're telling me the video is fake, I'm going to say prove it, hater. If you're telling me that video of DK is fake, prove it, hater, or you are worse than Gino, hater. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Mike Woodson is my guest. Mike, it has been a minute. It's great to talk to you. How you doing, Mike? It's been a while. How you doing? Good. Good, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing just fine. Can't good, complain. Good. Good to hear it. All right, so you guys were able to grind out a tough come-from-behind win against Michigan on Senior Day. Why don't we start right there? I mean, I know you want to win them all, but how badly did you want that one for the seniors, especially so they could celebrate that ceremony on a positive note? No, I couldn't be more proud for our seniors because they – you know, the last two years being here, boy, they have given me everything that they got. Um, you know, last year we didn't fare well on senior night. and You know, to bounce back this year and get it done on senior night, they had a lot to do with it. I didn't play, but it was really nice to see, man, because our fans were there in grand style supporting us. And, boy, we had to make a – a major run coming down the stretch to to grind a game out. You know, Michigan played extremely well, and we were fortunate enough to win the game. Mike Woodson joining us. You did, Mike. You came back from double digits down. Your defense got it done once again. And when you talk about seniors, one of the guys honored, of course, was Trace Jackson Davis. He dominated once again. He has all season long. He went 27-9-6. IU, Mike, has not had a consensus All-American since Victor Oladipo a decade ago. 
Has Trace played well enough this year to be recognized as such, do you think? Without a doubt, I think he's put himself in that light, uh, Jim. I mean, he's he's done everything we've asked him to do on and off the court. Um, and on the court, he's just been amazing this season. I thought last year he had a good year. Uh, but this year he's really taken it to another level, meaning that he's, you know, he's rebounding, he's blocking shots, he's take, you know, he's getting the ball out of double teams and, and picking up more assists, and he's scoring the ball. I mean, he's doing everything that a basketball player should do, and it's we've benefited from it. I mean, tremendously this season because without him, we'd be lost. I mean, we. We kind of ride his coattail, and everybody kind of pitches in and do their part. But he's been tremendous this season for our ball club. Indiana head coach Mike Woodson joining us. Mike, what about Race Thompson? He reportedly was telling guys in the huddle, we can't lose this game. We're not going to lose this game. How mentally and physically tough is this guy? And then as a coach, Mike, how much confidence does it give you when he's on the floor? Well, he gives us a lot of confidence. I mean, I thought last season, you know, you could make a play that he he and Trace were probably the MVPs of our team. I mean, he he did everything for our ball club last season. And this season, started out well, got hurt, uh, to kind of set him back, and he's now starting to shape up again. And I mean, coming down the stretch, forget the free throws. I mean, you got to make free throws, but he didn't make them, but he made two big defensive stops for that really put us in a position to win the game the other night. Talking to Mike Woodson, Mike, the depth in the Big Ten is mind-blowing. Like, you've got 11 teams between 9 and 12 conference wins. Last year, the Big Ten got nine teams in the field of 68. Do you think the conference might even add another, and is 10 a possibility this year? Well, you think about it, you know I mean? UCLA and USC, they're going to come into this conference. This conference is loaded. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, to go through a season like we did this year, you know, with our point guard not being around, Xavier Johnson, pretty much the whole season, and, and have to go on the road in the Big Ten and deal with these teams, but it's tough. I mean, because every team in the Big Ten, if you're not ready to play, can beat you. And, you know, we had our ups and downs um you know, early in the Big Ten season. But coming down the stretch, I think we won 11 out of our last 15 games of, of the Big Ten season. So uh, I'm pleased, you know, where we are as a ball club, but we still got a lot of basketball left. I'll tell you what, Mike, it seems to me on the outside looking in the conference, I mean, there, there are no off nights anyway. And then you got UCLA and USC coming in. That is going to be something crazy. Mike Woodson, my guest. I mean, Mike, you – you know this conference as well as anybody. You were an All-American when you played, and now you're a coach at IU. And then on top of that, you know how fierce the intrastate rivalries are. And then you take a basketball wild state like Indiana, and it's even more intense. This is a long way of me asking you, what's it mean to you and your team to sweep that seasonal series from Purdue this year, and especially when getting a win over them when they were ranked number one in the country? No, it means a lot. I mean, date back to last season, you know, we hadn't beaten Purdue in some time. And, you know, we, we beat them last season here at home, which kind of set the stage coming into this season. And, you know, they've, they played phenomenal basketball this season so far. I mean, with the big guy, Edie, I mean, it's a tough match for any team. And, you know, 
we just seem to play them well. I mean, the games are close. Um, the game we had here at home was very close, and we were able to squeak it out at the end. And then, hell, I've never won in Purdue as a player when I played here at Indiana. I never won there in four years. And, you know, to be able to go in there and coach a team, to beat them on their floor, because they've always been competitive and had wonderful talent. Uh, it was amazing for our ball club to go in there and do that. So I'm I'm pleased with our team and where we are and, and, and the style of play and how we've played this season. Man, it's been tremendous for us. You bet. A few more minutes with Mike Woodson. Mike, I've been really curious to see of late. Bob Knight has been coming around. Now, of course, you played for Bob Knight. And things did not end well between the coach and the school. He said at one point, I will never have anything to do with IU basketball ever again. And then things get better over time. He recently started to attend your practices. How did that come to be? And then what does his presence there mean to you? Well, he has been coming to practice. He comes once a week. Uh, it means a great deal to me, man, that he's he's back here. I mean, make no mistake about it, Indiana basketball is Bob Knight. You know, I mean, what he's done and did here, um, it, it's going to be hard to ever replace, man, because the guys, I don't know how many Big Ten titles, 15-plus probably, and, you know, three national titles. I mean, it's tough shoes to fill, man, but the fact that he's around the program again where he belongs means a great deal to me, our players, our ex-players that have played here, man, they've all starting to filter back. So it's just, it's like old times again, man, and I'm I'm excited about that. Mike Woodson, my guest. Mike, one last thought. you got the Big Ten tournament coming up this week. This is one of the weirdest, strangest stats ever, but IU has lost their opening game 14 times since the tournament began. Like, make that make sense. Some joke that it's just a Bob Knight curse because Bob wanted nothing to do with that tournament when it came down. Is there anything to that, and do you believe in curses? No, because last year we had to play our way into the NCAA turn- tournament. There and you we go. won the first. We won the first two games to get in and was a, a, a shot away from playing for the Big Ten Tournament Championship last season. So, you know, it, it, listen, make no mistake about it. It's, you've got to be playing and clicking on all cylinders because, like you mentioned earlier, Anybody can beat you in the Big Ten, and uh, you know we 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 have the double buy, so you know we got to sit and wait and see what Nebraska and Minnesota does, and then they play the winner of that that team, uh, that those two teams play. Uh, uh, who am I thinking? They play Maryland. Yeah, the winner between. Nebraska and Minnesota plays Maryland, and then we play the winner of that group. So we'll sit back and watch and prepare these next two or three days before we take off to go to uh, Chicago and, and get ready to play. I was about to say, you got yourself a double bye, and you are the three seed, and you're going to play in Chicago on Friday night. IU is ranked 19th. And Mike Woodson has seen and done it all, and the team is playing well right now. Mike, it's great to get caught up. Like I said, you and I would talk when you coach the Hawks. You and I would talk when you coach the Knicks. I know it. It is good, man. <laughs> really good to have you back. Mike, I appreciate you. And you're still doing your thing, man, which is kind of nice. It's nice to see, man. So keep, keep it going. 
Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. All right, so what about Lamar? Where does that leave him and the Ravens? So they've been working on a deal now for the better part of two years. As we know, Lamar represents himself. He and the team have been working on a deal for the better part of two years. They haven't gotten it done yet, so pretty safe to assume they're not going to get it done today before the deadline. I think that's a given. So why is it not getting done? They've got a guy who was an MVP of the league, franchise quarterback, He loves it there. They love him. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. How do you not, quote, take care of that guy? Why is it not getting done? Because there's a disconnect. The Ravens, as much as they love him and want him, they're not going to give him the guaranteed money that he wants. The Ravens believe that the Browns jacked everything up. The Ravens believe that the Browns are morons for guaranteeing all that money to Deshaun Watson and that they did it because they were desperate. They thought they were smart, but they were desperate. The Ravens believe that that's kind of a standalone. That's an outlier. That's an anomaly. That is not market-driven. The Ravens don't think that anybody else is stupid enough or desperate enough to guarantee any other quarterback that kind of money. That's their take. And they might be right. Lamar, on the other hand, understandably, sees it differently. Lamar, as you might imagine, does see it as a precedent. Lamar does see that contract as a comp. And understandably, Lamar is looking at the contract and the guy who got the contract and saying, the hell if I'm taking a dime less than that guy, especially that guy. Look at our careers. Look at our numbers. Look at what I've meant to this organization. Look at that guy. What has he done on and off the field? What did he mean to them? What, they're going to take care of him, but you're not going to take care of me. The hell I'm putting my name to that contract. So I see why that's Lamar's point. I actually see both sides. They're both negotiating. They're both looking out for their own best interests. They both make good points. And this is why this deal is not getting done. They're both dug in. So who's right? Who's wrong, and where does that leave us? It leaves us without their franchise quarterback having a deal. Now, is that why he didn't play at the end of the year? I don't know. Would he have played at the end of the year if he had that contract? I don't know that either. Just like I'm not going to rush in and call a guy a quitter or call a guy a choker, I'm not going to call a guy a jake. I'm not going to say that guy sat out because he didn't have a deal. I mean, certainly you could speculate that, right? So where does that leave us? They're bumping up against the deadline. It's a couple hours off. They're not going to get a deal done between now and then. We know this. So they've got to hit him with a franchise tag. Question is, which franchise tag? The exclusive tag, which is considerably more expensive, but the team maintains control of the player. Or the non-exclusive tag, which pays a lot less, but still about 32.4 mil. 
but it allows Jackson to go out and see if there is another team willing to pay him what he thinks he's worth. And then the Ravens have the right to match that offer or they let him walk and they get two number ones in exchange. None of it's ideal, right? But if I'm the Ravens, that's what I would do. I would hit him with the non-exclusive franchise. Now, that might piss Lamar off. I don't know what he'll do with that. You know, would the guy sit out a whole year? Doubtful? Maybe? Doubtful? But what it does do is it lets Lamar go out and find out whether or not he is worth that on the open market. You know, then in effect, you're not... See, like, the Browns ended up negotiating with themselves and paying Deshaun Watson all that money. The Browns are saying, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But, but, since we couldn't get a deal done, go ahead. Find out. Find out what you're worth. Find out if there's a deal out there. We can live with that. Go ahead. Shopping around. You have our blessing, Lamar. Go take a look around. Let's see if that deal that you've been asking for really is out there. And if you do find a better deal than what we've offered you, good for you. Then bring it back to us. And then we'll look at it. And we'll decide if we want to match or not. That way, everybody knows exactly what the true market value is. You know, because at this point, the Ravens are saying, you're not worth that. Nobody else will pay you that. Only the Browns were that stupid. And the Marvels say, no. I absolutely am worth that because somebody else got that. So you should give me that. All right. Go out and find out. I mean, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care at all. I think it makes sense. Go find out. That way, then everybody knows. If Lamar goes out there and finds out that there is or is not a deal, at least then he knows. Then the team knows. Then everybody knows. And then, as it stands right now, you know, they're not in a situation where They're giving him something that they don't want to give him. Let him look for a better deal. By the way, what choice do they have? They tried to negotiate a deal. They spent two years trying to negotiate a deal. It didn't happen. I mean, yeah, it'd be great if they hit him with the exclusive tag and said, you're not going anywhere. You're our guy. You're here. We're not letting you out of the building. You can't talk to anybody at all. We're going to get this done. Fine, but you had two years to get it done, and it didn't get done. So it seems to me they should hit him with the non-exclusive and everybody can lay their cards on the table and let's find out. Let's find out what the market will bear. Let's find out if there is a better deal out there. And then if there is, we'll find out, in fact, how much the Ravens want him or not. None of it's ideal. But that, to me, seems like the best thing. If they do that, then they're saying he, Lamar can't say we didn't, they didn't negotiate in good faith. He went out, there was a deal or there wasn't a deal, but now we know. That's my take. It would have been great if they got a deal done, but they both had that disconnect. I just don't think there's any other team that's going to guarantee him the money that the Browns guaranteed Deshaun Watson. It's not even a, a, a knock on Lamar. It's a knock on the Browns. Like, what were they doing? What were they thinking? And you know everybody around the league thinks that, except Sean Watson. 1-800-636-8686. Hey, Rome, 
can we talk about how underrated the end of that Randy Johnson clip is with that smart-ass paparazzi throwing in the welcome to New York? He took Randy Johnson's heater, and he still came back swinging. Makes me laugh every time. Hey. What? No camera. It is pretty incredible. That is an all-time exchange. You imagine a guy saying no cameras, no cameras, no cameras. Randy, are you making up the rules now in the ordinances of New York? No cameras? No cameras in the street? No cameras. No words. Don't talk to me. No pens. Don't write about me. No laptops. No notepads. No cameras. Call me Mr. Unit. Don't look me in the eye. And like I always say when we play that clip, but the funniest part to me is, Get out of my face. Don't be a high face and don't talk back to me, all right? Who was the guy? Who was the photo? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Who's in your face, dude? You're eight foot seven. Nobody's in your face. Name one person in the media who could get in his face. Nobody. Is Yao Ming running cameras in New York? Get out of my face. Don't talk back to me. Don't talk back to me. And you're right. That dude stood his ground. That was probably just some anonymous media photog in New York going, yeah, welcome to New York, red ass. Have fun, red ass. It is an amazing bit of sound. All right, so I laid it out. What would you do if you were the Ravens? Of course, easy for us to say it's not our money. It's the difference between 48 mil and 32 mil having control of the players' rights, and not. But again, if you're willing to pay 48 mil, why wouldn't you do a deal? It's going to be really interesting. And then, would you let this guy walk? And then, could you get him in a trade? And what if the Jets, What? If, never mind this whole Aaron Rodgers thing, what if the Jets just went all in, all in, blew the thing up, and said, you know what, screw it. Why don't we just make a trade for Lamar? And then where would that leave Aaron? Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Pennsylvania, Nate. Good to have you, Nate. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot, Jim. Just working, listening to you today. Good. Um, so I think the Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson situation are, are kind of similar in this aspect. I think that both those quarterbacks um, just got their feelings hurt. I think they're both in their feelings right now. Obviously, Rodgers going years ago when they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. 
and I don't think that situ- that relationship has ever come close to being repaired. If I was Brian Gutekunst, trade him. I don't know if he's trying to save face with the community, you know, that owns that owns the Packers, but it, it, he's past his prime. You do not compare anybody to the Patriots or to Tom Brady, and and that's the only argument right now is, oh, they can do it in the 40s. No, they can't. One person can, Tom Brady. Everybody else, their skills start to diminish at his age. I don't think football, he cares about it quite as much as Tom Brady, and I think he, he this year is going to be a wash year, if not this year, next year. I just I don't see him playing a lot longer in the future. And if you can get some first-round picks for him this year, and you have Jordan Love, who showed promise last year, you're kind of foolish at this point to bring him back. I don't think the options is anymore, and we know he's not going to retire. He just wants the fluff. He wants all the, the attention on him. He's not going to retire. So I'm looking for him to get traded. But Lamar, he, he bet on himself picking himself as an agent. Bad mistake. And he bet on himself, you know, not signing a deal last year. An even worse mistake. The reason that Deshaun got the money, if you take out all the nasty stuff, is he played. The three years that he was the starter, he played every game, I think, except for one. Lamar doesn't have that. That's where the guaranteed money comes in, is that they think you're going to be able to play out those years in the contract and not be on the sideline like he has been when they needed him the most. All right, so let me, let me jump just, in, Nate. I, I, look, first of all, dude, good job. I mean, take, take, take. If I don't jump in on you, Nate, I know you blow right through the segment. Let me comment on some of these things. Your point about Aaron is trade him. All right, let's go to Toronto. Billy in Toronto. What's going on, Billy? Hey, Jim. Got a different take on Lamar Jackson. Hey, Lamar, I want to ask you one question. You think maybe the Baltimore Ravens don't want you back? Maybe that's what the problem is. They want you to go and they're praying for somebody to take you. Honest to God, Jim, this guy has got to be the most overrated quarterback I've seen in a long time in football. You know, it's, it's fine when you play these bad teams, Lamar, and you have that one run and it's a 70-yarder and it looks great. But every single game that you play, the final score is 14-10, 17-14. That is the Baltimore Ravens defense winning. It's not you. You could not throw the ball in the damn Atlantic Ocean if it was open. Seriously, they want to give you, you want $250 million guaranteed? I wouldn't give you 250 bucks guaranteed. Lamar, move on, go win a championship with someone else, and we'll see how good you are. I just don't think the Ravens want you back, and they're dying for you to leave. That's all I got. Give me a out. There we go. Hey, Billy, I'm sorry you hung up. I wanted to ask you something. Hey, Billy, remember back in the day when you made this call? I heard you talking about uh, Cal Ripken and his uh, stupid overrated record. Cal Ripken sucks. He's overrated. He was overpaid. He did nothing good. He's average player at best who had a crappy record because he didn't play that hard. And so everybody thinks he's so great. Wow, he played a bunch of games in a row. Good job there, tough guy. I would pay a million dollars just so I could spray that guy in the face of a full May spray. My man, Billy. You sounded younger when you made that call. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Patrick in Bama. Patrick, what's going on? 
Hey, it's not Lamar hate, man, but from a business standpoint, the guy's never played 16 games in a season. And what's he done besides winning an MVP? He's never won a playoff game. He's not going to beat you with your arm, so your take's wrong there. So how are you going to guarantee that man $250 million and hit, take that kind of cap hit when you need other pieces around him? It's just it's not doable. He's not going to get that money from anybody else, period. Let's keep going. I'm going to play the hot hand. one 800 636-8686. You know, I tried to caution this guy. I tried to let him know that he could have walked off after he made his phone call about Drizzle, yet he keeps coming back. Let's go to John in New York. John, what's going on? Jim, as your bestest friend, Jim, I am calling to officially, Jim, kick off, smack off season, Jim. I don't know which dope that was. I've got a pretty good idea. But I know who it wasn't. John, New York. All right, so I mentioned earlier, I don't throw around the word choke very often. I always think about that before I use that word especially when it comes to pro athletes, because that's essentially, other than calling them a quitter, calling them a choker is one of the worst things that you can say. So I'm not going to gratuitously throw that around. Calling somebody a quitter is the worst thing you can call an athlete. And saying they choked is almost as bad. So I rarely ever go there. However, I think Grant Williams will be the first to admit that he choked last night because that was an all-time gag job. That was an all-timer. There's no denying it. Anytime an NBA player has two free throws in a tie game with less than a second left, I understand it can get a little sweaty. I understand it can get a little puckered. I mean, it shouldn't in a tie game at the free throw line, but it does most of the time because the game should be over. (laughs) That's why guys get puckered because everybody knows the game should be over. And so last night was no different. Everybody knows that a professional hooper should not miss back-to-back free throws with a game on the line, especially in a tie game. So, tough moment for Grant Williams last night after he'd already missed the front end and then chased it with this. Grant with one for the lead. He stares. Dribbles once. Fires. He missed both. Tipped up no at the buzzer. And we are going to Back-to-back bricks, which eventually led to a Boston loss in overtime. He didn't just gag a chance to win that game in regulation and send send it to overtime. They lost. But hey, it happens. Rarely. But it does happen. Except that's not the entire story. He didn't just brick those two back-to-back and blow the game. He bricked those two back-to-back after guaranteeing two makes. That's right. He called his shot. I guarantee. In fact, he called his shots. And then he missed them both. If you saw it, Donovan Mitchell got up in his grill before the first attempt and Grant mouthed back to him, clear as day, I'm going to make both. I'm going to make both. In fact, he said it over and over again. I'm going to make both. I'm going to make both. I'm going to make both. I'm going to brick both. 
Oh, oops, excuse me, my bad. Listen, if you're going to point to the fence, you best jack it out. You better hit one out. If you're going to call game, you better knock down the shot. That goes without saying. But if you say you're going to make both when you only need one, you better at least make one. The game was tied. That was an all-time gag job. Also a master class, by the way, in icing the free throw shooter by the Cavs. We all know about icing the kicker. In Cleveland, they were all ready to ice the Grant Williams, too. Not only was Donovan Mitchell all up in his grill before that first attempt, but then the Cavs took their sweet-ass time subbing in players before the second attempt, which gave Grant Williams all the time in the world to stand at the line, think about the first miss, think about the second miss, and contemplate all of his life's choices. And go from, I'm going to make both, I'm going to make both, to, I really hope I make this one, to... Once again, oops, excuse me, sorry, my bad. Here's what Donovan Mitchell himself had to say after icing Grant after the game. Donovan, did Grant tell you he was going to make both? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah, we have a uh, PA call on Thursday, I think it is a Friday, so I was just like, let's just miss one and talk about it and see what happens. And um, he gave us both, and I almost lost us the game. I didn't box out Marcus Smart, and he came in for the tip. So that's what I'm really thinking about at that moment. Miss both free throws, but I got to be able to box out in those moments and not really think about that and kind of anticipating both. But thank God he missed, and we got the win. Classy. Try to cover him. He almost sounded like he felt badly for him. Of course, he didn't. Hey, Donovan, did he tell you he was going to make both? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And then even he owns it afterwards saying, you know what? I almost blew it for us. Even after the double brick, Marcus Smart had a chance to end it with an easy putback layup. I didn't block out, but he blew that too. And notice it's not sticking to Smart though, because the cameras did not catch Smart clearly mouth, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Before he went back up for that putback, which is why nobody's talking about that miss. And everybody's talking about Grant's double gag job. Maybe even including LeGM. LeGM hopped on Twitter and thumbed this out not long after that disastrous sequence. Now, I don't know if this was intended for the Celtics or not, but the timing is very curious. Check out what he did. At King James tweeted, Man, Brawny. Definitely better than some of these cats that I've been watching on League Pass today. Bleep, lightweight, hilarious. So Braun's out here (laughs) thumbing out smack and cussing and leaving the tweet up. Didn't even bother to delete it. The GM just trolling the rest of the league from his couch. (laughs) Great look, dude. I mean, that is rich. They're a dumpster fire. He's not even playing right now. He's on the couch watching League Pass, trolling everybody else, and they're on the outside looking in. If the playoffs start today, they're not even in. Celtics, meanwhile, have the league's third best record, even after that gag job. 
I don't know if that's who he was talking about, but the timing was very curious. My man, I know you got a lot of time on your hands right now, the GM, but dude, you should not be, even, even if you are the alleged, <laughs> my man, you should not be clowning anybody from your couch while your purple and gold Titanic is still plummeting to the bottom of the sea. One of the worst looks. Still not as bad as you saying that the worst Lakers season ever wasn't, quote, a failure. I mean, it's not a failure at all. Or taking the best movie ever, Space Jam, in which I was a co-star, and then turning that into the worst movie ever, something else you did. But if, in fact, you were clowning Williams and the Celtics from your couch while you're hurt and your team is on the outside looking in, that's almost as bad a look as those other things. Unbelievable. And then putting your kid in there and saying that he's better than a lot of guys in the NBA already. I'm going to make them both. Or miss them both and lose. So like I said, I, I think really carefully before I say somebody choked, he choked in a tie game. Not like you need those two to tie a game and send it to OT or not like you need two to win the game and one to tie. That was a tie game. He missed both. Clearly caught in camera saying, I'm going to make both. I'm going to make both. Or break both. Good night now. 